0: Welcome back to the Key in the Lake Podcast, the Premier Whiskey Podcast, now with the mention of whiskey in its title. We are back at the Berkshire Room. Just uh, above the Berkshire just Room. Just above it. Just above it. Bodega. 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 Two podcasts in one day, gentlemen? Oh my goodness. Reminds
1: me, Reminds me of the sandbar. Mm.
0: Twelve days of barrel picks. Let's not revisit that right now. But That's a great name. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm a marketing whiz. You did tell me. That you were. <laughs> yeah, 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 Well, um, that's our guest. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jake, the, co- the host, co-host. I think we're way off on this one right now. We're I don't know what's off. going on. We're but, off. Uh, the- you know, we'll just keep rolling with it. How do it's you a think? great start. It's a really good start. We're off to a great start today. Um, Wilson Torres is here. Hey, young world. Getting her horse brand specialist and also co-host of the podcast. Cal O'Donnell, co-host of the podcast, is also here. Brand ambassador of the stars to Abelauer.
1: Yes, sir. Back just- again.
0: Yeah, and then also hosting us is Nigel Van of the Berkshire Nigel Room in the Bodega. Nigel Van, it's my third time. Like <laughs> <laughs> Let's make That's it a fourth. Three. Let's make it a fourth. It's just number three. Keep it going. Keep and it going. Our special guest uh, flew all the yeah. way out from San Diego just to do this podcast. He's um, number one on his list of things to do while in Chicago. <laughs> that, and go to the Field Museum, I think was number two. He's like, what is the Field Museum?
2: I'm gonna, I'm looking that up right now on, on the Googs. Mm. On oh, the Googs? Nice. I
0: haven't been there in a minute. but uh, Steph- Wait, googly moogly. Steph and Krabinski of <laughs> the great and one and only my favorite personal coffee liqueur out there. Yeah. Internationally. It's good. Brand ambassador of the stars. National brand ambassador, for, brand ambassador for Mr. Black. Welcome to the podcast. Mr. Black. Wow,
2: that was a real long
0: intro. Yeah. Back. I didn't know when to say thank you. In I don't know if I'm struggling through Black. the whiskey we had earlier, but then again, we have, I've had two or maybe at least one drink of Mr. Black, so it should have perked me right up. Yeah. But for some reason. Sometimes there's a delayed reaction. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll allow it. We're going to yeah. try to do better over the next uh, few minutes here. Sure.
2: I, You know, it's just a, it's a slow lead in. <laughs> should, we, should we cut to the... Chase? Is it to the chase or like? Don't you have like an intro? Should we cut? Now's the perfect time to cut to the
0: intro. Cut I think to we the d- d. did the intro. Yeah.
2: Okay, that got awkward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, <laughs> really nice to be here on the podcast, friends. Yeah,
0: you know, I'm glad you can make it uh, all the way from San Diego. One of our favorite spots.
2: Flew all the way in just for this, and boy, am I arms tired. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I've never done that one I before. Come it. on. That was either awesome. I, either by it. Either This podcast has I a mood and I it. like where it's going. I love yeah, it.
2: Yeah. I like how things went, Um, you know, black. Awkwardly. Yeah. It went real Mister cof- <laughs> black coffee. Black. Yeah. yeah, You got it. Yes. He went there. Boom. All right. I he swear. We're going to get through the puns. It's going to get dark. <laughs> we're going
0: through it. It's going to get Welcome dark. Welcome to the Key and oh, Late okay. Podcast. <laughs> the premier whiskey podcast now with the mention of whiskey in his title, Wilson. I love it. I love it. Now with the mention of whiskey and we're talking about coffee. Well, you know, you do distill your own spirit.
2: We do, yes. And uh, it works well with whiskey. I feel
0: so. Mr. Black really has definitely well. come up on our podcast quite frequently, obviously, Thank being you. a brand ambassador for Star Wars and the work that we do together. When it comes, and both of us being from Australia, both of our brands being from Australia, both of us not from Australia, though.
2: Obviously, you can tell no. by my accent. Well, we're faking it. <laughs> yeah. But they yeah, can't I mean... tell
0: because we're on, we're on mics. So, <laughs> well, what do they know? After yeah, one hundred and fifty episodes, like I could have been faking it the entire time.
2: Man, you've been really working on that. You're like an, a
3: method actor. Yeah,
0: that Midwest accent, accent, that I've really taken down pretty. Nicely. <laughs> I didn't
3: want to mention the kangaroo that you brought in. Oh, oh yeah, no. I, mean, I, wrote, I wrote in
0: heavy on the on the, on the
3: yeah
2: on the Roo. It was, it, was a joey. it was a joey actually Little joey Oh it's a joey Little yeah, joey yeah. Oh. Okay. Well, We could definitely get Hanging out in the pouch too. Yeah Ooh. we could do Yeah whatever you want to talk about I'm here for it oh, And, and highly caffeinated about? So I don't know if you can tell I can get really high.
0: yeah no, <laughs> I did <laughs> See <laughs> Maybe not caffeinated enough I did have a uh, cold brew Before I walked in here too So I did should you? be more More awake More perky Oh that's right Your little uh,
3: S-Bucks thing Where is that thing I don't know you Don't worry about
2: that it down It's gone now
0: Yeah So, Mr.
2: Black. We don't talk about S Bucks. We talk about really delicious Arabica coffee. Yes. Yeah. It's a little
0: bit of a def. I mean, we're definitely taking a, a, you know, a right turn or a left turn, whatever you want to say.
2: We're going to bring it home, though. We are. Yeah. We're bringing it home. I promise you, it's coming home. Yeah.
1: Well, I was going to say, because I don't know (laughs) anything about Mr. Black. But I did read this. That's Well, of course, but I was leading us in for the pod but okay <laughs> oh, thanks I, do for doing know, that. I do know a lot about mr black this is, this, this can, is an unscripted pod <laughs> can you give us like Obviously. <laughs> can you give us like the one minute elevator for oh mr. yeah black? Man, the elevator pitch right we're uh,
2: coffee people so we do everything mm. from bean to bottle we're roasters we're distillers we're passionate about what we do right. um from sydney australia our master distiller um started his life in botany and ended up you know in a situation where he was putting coffee which is absolutely botanical into a bottle right um he had this wild idea um years ago in 2013 to actually put real coffee into a coffee liqueur so wild idea right Love it. but uh where we use a cold brew process so everything's really delicious you're cutting out a lot of the acidity and bitterness there's 10 times the coffee half the sugar all 100 Arabica, sourced from three different single origins mm-hmm. um, really spectacular uh, ethically sourced uh, we work with a really awesome uh group out of um, Australia, that was actually started by a former World Barista Champion, um, who is really helping us as an intermediary between um, the best farms in the best coffee growing regions and us um, really helping support the communities down there yeah. and uh, what is going on in the coffee world to sustainably and ethically have better coffee into the future.
0: Yeah, Where really are you guys important. getting all your beans from?
2: Cool, yeah. Uh, it's right now, Mr. Black is a three-single-origin blend, and that's really how we like it. It's kind of that classic coffee house blend where you have something from Africa, something from Australasia, something from okay. Central to South America. So nice. right now, the African component is actually from Ethiopia, the birthplace of coffee. Right. Cool. Uh, and then the, the Latin American aspect is coming from Colombia, and then mm-hmm. we have a Papua New Guinea uh, feature in there that's really spectacular. It really came from the first micro lot in Papua New Guinea, so Very cool. we're really stoked about that. Yeah, but yeah, so it's uh, mixed with vodka, mm. so it's really neutral base. So you have, you know, coffee being the star, which is what we're all about, and about half the sugar you get in an old world coffee liqueur
0: you've been with mr black now for two and a half years
2: just about two years yeah what were you doing before that 20 years behind I know you had eight lives you mentioned before we yeah but but eight the lines. bar has pretty <laughs> much been a consistent a consistent for 20 years yeah 20 plus years so um i've i'm kind of getting close to it i was talking with morgenthaler right before the pandemic and he was he actually during The pandemic celebrated half of his life behind the bar, which is crazy. And he was, like, trying to egg me on to get there. And I ended up uh, working for a brand. But obviously still doing events and stuff. I still, you know, I like to stay... I like to keep my knives sharp, you know. Like right, right. even when I was managing bars, I would try to work behind the shift a couple, you know, a couple nights a week just to keep those knives sharp. Stay on your toes, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Um, it's always good to be close to a cash register, you know, <laughs> you know for job <laughs> security purposes. But um, yeah, 20 years behind the stick, um, running bars for the last 10, yeah, um, in management, really uh, more in uh, education and uh, per, you know, propelling our community forward, um, training up new bartenders and. and doing so with you know the USBG as a component as well I was mm. the president of the San Diego chapter oh, you are? for oh. three years I was now I'm on okay. the board uh, we just um, we we're able to find new leadership um, to kind That's of steward cool. the next round of, uh, of leadership so I'm really excited for that but <laughs> That's right. Yeah, that's right. Oh, you we didn't have a mic. Here. Yeah.
3: No, I was gonna say he's a your fierce competitor. We uh we went against each other or with each other, I should say. <laughs> a couple of years in New York for uh oh, man, a with Remy competition. Yeah, yeah Remy yeah, Martin, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we don't yeah. care. The equal um, parts. It was fun. It was a great Yeah, time. it was
2: a great competition and we both got our pants kicked
3: in by Devin Kennedy and yeah. you know. What are you gonna do? Literally bumping elbows. I remember <sighs> it was like six of us behind yeah. that like, like oh, 15 foot bar. I 15 foot bar. There's six of you guys back yeah. there. Oh That's yeah. Crazy. That's wow. why we're best friends now. We were literally <laughs> like in each other's. It <laughs> wasn't just
1: bumping elbows, but bumping uglies as well. Oh, no, um, uh- absolutely. So I was gonna say, um, just curiously, there you'd said that you'd been running bars for 10 years, and was there a reason specifically that you came to the bar, uh, the brand side, and you didn't sort of continue down that path, and maybe? You know, open your own bars or, or or something like that.
2: That's a great question, actually. Um, We're full of them. Yeah, we, hey, not, <laughs> that's the not, only not one you're getting. In the the only the question you're getting. That's the only good question you're getting. Questions
0: come in hot. We had a really good intro before this podcast, so that's where we wasted it on that <laughs> one. <bar. laughs> that's true. We had a great time. Man. We, it we was spent very, it. like, We spent you know,
2: it. Completely. Smooth. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great question. Um, yes, I absolutely. The plan was to open up a bar. In southern california with where where a lot of my connections were based and um i was consulting in tijuana a lot so um you know something that you know really kind of encompassed you know the cali baja flavor and 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 scene was really what i was working towards as a goal um the last bar i ran uh didn't end on the best terms (laughs) um i mean not that it wasn't convivial with you know ownership and what have you it was just for me the game plan was getting points after I turned a bar that was underperforming around. I did that and the decision was made to turn it into a steakhouse, uh, which uh, is not obviously not my decision. That's something yeah. that um, the, the, you know, the, the investors that had way more stake than I did in it obviously had the right to do. No pun um, intended. I see what you did. Yeah, there. exactly. <laughs> but I'm I'll, I promised myself at that moment because I, I learned through some ways that I was, you know, I should have been, you know, I should have been sat down and like, Hey, you know, just gonna let you know, we're going in this direction. That didn't quite happen. So in the future, I basically told myself that I would not run another bar until I had 51% stake in it. Is that way mm. I'd have control ultimately on what we do with the programming, what we do with you know, the, the direction in, in the culture and what have you. So
3: I own 51% of this company. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Just 51. <laughs> Just 51. That's all I'm asking for. Is Not that so hard? 51.
2: Um, so then it was actually pretty cool. Uh, the owner, Tom, the founder of uh, Mr. Black actually came to Southern California while he was uh, actually pitching the brand to the distributor. And then he asked the distributor, Hey, you got, you know, you know, a couple of people with good pallets in town that mm-hmm. I can show my product to, um, in Sydney and in Melbourne, the coffee scene is I was gonna, super advanced. Take us there, yeah. Yeah, it's so advanced out there. There's nano roasteries on every block. Yeah. There's at least two incredible coffee shops on every block in Sydney. Same in Melbourne.
0: It's just, there's no comparable city there in America at no, all. No,
2: I mean, I, I I, you know, roasted coffee at a contract roasting facility with, with my good buddy Martin Hudak, our global brand ambassador, for his bar. And that's not an outlier there's a lot of excellent Mm. bars in sydney and in melbourne that are actually roasting their own coffee for their coffee program which is insane to think of here in california or actually in chicago i guess they take
0: their coffee as seriously so we take our hot dogs yes yeah the peppers yeah they put
1: peppers no i'm kidding Uh, (laughs) and there's no ketchup in their coffee (laughs) Ah, well (laughs) you never
0: know maybe
1: yeah i mean maybe there is i was going to say then that's I, I didn't know that about yeah, Australia. I'd oh. heard I've, I've heard that they do have there's there's like they are these little intricacies about Australia that they do do deep dives to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but why is that about coffee specifically? It's crazy
2: about coffee in Australia because you you'd think just you know with their history of being a colony of, of Britain that they'd be a tea drinking nation mm-hmm. and they really obviously started out that way. But just like America where you know you start off drinking tea and then something happens in your history that changes. And Then you that. graduate. Well, no, I mean, well, when it, come, it comes to America, it got overtaxed, right? And that, they threw it all into the Boston Harbor, right? I mean, if you remember Sometimes, that whole little yeah, that, that chapter that a, in your your report, you know, your book like report you know, growing up. Um, but well in, in Australia, there was obviously a taxing element, but most of it actually had to do with the fact that they just love it. Um, the ex, There was a lot of expats from uh, Italy and from France that came to Australia and brought excellent coffee to Australia, and they've just, it's been a coffee-obsessed nation ever did, since. Did
0: you know that before uh, working for Mr. Black?
2: I knew that they had an advanced coffee scene, because uh, I've always been a coffee right. nut. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been kind of three moments in, in, you know, coffee here in the U.S. They've got, like, the mid-century kind of stable, you know, instant solubles. And then you've got, you know, the, the second wave with Starbucks really bringing, you know, Italian and, and, you know, cafe culture to the States. And then quickly it kind of devolved into you know, silliness, frappuccino, stuff like that. (laughs) And then this third wave of coffee, which is more craft focused, Mm -hmm. you know, we're talking about, you know, more sustainably, you know, producing coffee produced yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, single origins, really trying to get into what makes coffee delicious. A lot of that culture actually comes from Australia. Uh, like the flat white, the flat white, you think it's a a UK invention. It actually started in Sydney and then in, in the UK, they basically, that was kind of a way that, that, people you know British people could be like do you have good coffee like hey can you make me a flat white and if they can they're like oh this is a good coffee shop if they can't it's like oh I'm leaving Starbucks going somewhere." I've else.
0: seen my boss literally sit with a Starbucks barista for 10 minutes to explain to them how to make <laughs> a good flat white and. In- I mean, you could walk out and go across the street and here in Chicago. Well, there's one of those things where you're we stuck in a city that there wasn't just <clears throat> sure a readily uh, neighborhood coffee shop available. So I recently
2: uh, was in one of those cities, and it was frustrating. Chicago? No, no, no. Chicago's <laughs> Joke, great. Hey, joking, everybody! Joe on the Key in the Lake podcast now now talking about whiskey,
1: delicious coffee here in Chicago. Great, great coffee. Yeah, um, great coffee. Well, I was going to say that that the, I the I was listening on another podcast recently, and I, I was cheating on Key in the Lake. Uh, yeah, I know I do it every day. Hey, <laughs> hey, you need to see what the competition's doing. And I don't I was, listen to any
0: whiskey podcast, but fair. I, it wasn't a whiskey podcast. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I was listening to a guy called Matt Fraser, who was a very, very famous CrossFitter. And he won the CrossFit Games five times. And he's just started his own coffee company. Oh, really? And his he was mentioning about how that when he'd met up with Australian competitors, it had changed his view on coffee right and I, they
2: probably were like no mate i can't go here yeah, yeah.
1: literally literally yeah and that kept happening in the united states and then they were they were like bringing things with them they were bringing yep. machines and stuff with them over that's because me. They were like i need this kind of coffee i can't go to the corner like I, if i'm in if i'm in nashville for example i can't right. go to like this the standard coffee shop and he and said that it completely it completely flipped him on it completely flipped him on his head you right
2: know? and that's really what we're you know it makes sense that we're born In Australia and that's really what Mr. Black is doing um, obviously up for coffee but really to bring wonderful beautiful craft coffee into the night like into your bar Mm -hmm. into you know cocktails because it's an ingredient that Mm -hmm. can be used in such a wide array you know Uh, when you have delicious coffee that's low bitter low acidity like like Mr. Black or all these delicious coffees from Australia
1: well, you you and talking about adding it into random things. Jake just mentioned a margarita. I've not yeah, had that yet with yeah, this, yeah. but we're, we're going to be doing that. We're doing soon. that. We're
2: shaking them up down, downstairs in just a moment. Um, but yeah, you really can mix it with a wide array of flavors, flavors, because coffee is the flavor profile of coffee is so massive. It's mm-hmm. actually got when it's made correctly and roasted correctly and not over roasted. Uh, delicious arabica coffee has more flavor and aroma compounds than wine does. Oh. Uh, which means, I mean, if you think of how long like a master sommelier takes to like learn that trade, right? It's, it's pretty extensive. Well, the master cuppers around the world that that rate coffees are far more advanced in their palates than even wine or whiskey aficionados. So, um, and in that case, the the flavor wheel of coffee is just it's expansive right. and you can you can mix it with anything you can mix it with tropical flavors it works really well coffee is actually a tropical fruit a lot of people forget that because we yeah, only it's see cherry. it yeah we only mm-hmm. see it in in its like processed form mm-hmm. it's been dried out it's been roasted mm-hmm. um and you only welcome. use the seed I did that as a child yeah yeah yeah, yeah. exactly child right? labor laws did oh not exist
4: that, nice. mm. puerto rico. that in puerto <laughs> rico yeah. Uh-huh. yeah puerto rican coffee though right yeah yeah, yeah, it's, yeah.
0: Yeah right. No, so, I mean, the first thing you said was when we opened up a bottle, Mr. Yeah, Black goes. It,
3: it reminds me of my childhood. It, and it should. I mean, if, you've, if you if like you've had good coffee. Yeah,
2: exactly. And then there's another yeah. component of coffee that's really interesting is that it's really individual. Everybody likes their coffee in a completely different way, right? right? Very You know, very people. Cool people, point, people yes. There's people that add, yeah. you know, more mostly cream. You know, and that's coffee. That's mm-hmm. their coffee. People, you know, cafecito in Cuba, right? Like they take. The first, first bit of the espresso like and they it. whip it up really hard yeah. with some sugar and then they add the rest in you've got this really unique, you know, like very regional style of coffee. Correct. But that that can happen on the individual level too, and mm-hmm. that's what's been so fun watching people mix with Mr. Black, whether it's bartenders or or, you know, home bartenders or anybody yeah. in between.
3: Well, Nigel, you have quite a few cocktails here that you use Mr. Black in, don't you? Uh yeah. So at the Berkshire Room, I mean we have great cocktails on our menu but a lot of people come in just for the dealer's choice and i was introduced to mr black about three years ago um, and I have been playing with it ever since. And I, I love mixing it, with uh, especially with strong and stirred cocktails. Yeah. Um, Obviously, whiskey works yeah. really well with whiskey. But yeah, what I love about Mr. Black is that the, the neutral grain spirit, I mean, the vodka that's in there, it makes it great to play with anything. Mm. And so when I get, you know, the way it's set up is like you tell me the spirit, the flavor profile, I even pick the glassware. Uh, but I go for Mr. Black and I like to mix it in with like different Amaros, like uh, Chinar or like zuka. Whoa, yeah. And then uh, the spirit is interchangeable, but uh, it, it goes really well with anything. But like gin is one of my favorite things to play with, with mezcal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is great. coupe on ice or whatever. But like, I mean, out of the hundreds of bottles that we have behind the bar, like I grabbed <laughs> Mr. Black pretty pretty often you know
0: which profile would that fall into when a dealer's choice is asked for oh good question
3: oh you know we have that wacky one that is strong and stirred that doesn't describe a flavor uh Uh, so if you ask for that i'll probably ask you a couple follow-up questions um but um
0: do you want to be up all night? Cuz yeah. if you do, here's some Mr. Black. I know like last call <laughs> last call <laughs> 1:30. Uh here
3: you go. Some, Which uh, is
0: the uh, it's the best thing I, if for an elixir that you're looking for to stay up for a little bit longer? Uh man, just do a shot I mean, of that.
3: We got the, the 4 a.m. the 5 a.m. bars on Saturday, so I'm doing you a favor if you want to yeah. go This to guy, right? Around the corner Saving and r- dance lives. Yeah, right. Saving Lives Saving left lives. and right. No, but I love playing with, with, with um with herbaceous cocktails. That's a flavor profile that you can get some heavy base out there. Um even if they want something fruity, like I, I throw in some, you know, some cherry herring or um, some type of berry liqueur or syrup, and throw it in and uh, crushed oh, that's ice. Nice, kind of make like a swizzle. Yeah, um, it's you can First of anything right? I haven't yeah. had it in the margarita, so I'm really intrigued. oh man. Yeah. Well, let's, let's shake one yeah. up yeah. downstairs. I think this, down. is, this is
1: this uh, He mentioned it. He was like, oh yeah, he he margarita, and, like, and I
0: was like, I a coffee like, the, like a uh, coffee. oh yeah, the An- Ejo, uh, el tosoro, oh uh, yeah, delicious, An- oh, yeah. oh yeah, it's delicious. so good. So I made it also a really delicious slushy with this with the <laughs> maple syrup yeah. from uh, uh, dancing goat. Really? Oh nice. Yeah. What else did you put in that? Uh that's a good question. But <laughs> <laughs> it was good. I don't you remember it was oh, after four or five drinks. No, us, It, was, it, was, it, was, after it after was like five PM. Um remember. I think no, I think it was actually using their rye, Dancing Goes okay. Rye oh, with nice. it and then Delive putting in the rye? maple syrup and there's something else I put in there, but uh, I was drinking it on an Instagram live. People were like, "What?" Because it looks like it just like a pile of like muddy deliciousness, because it was just so thick and right. like, syrupy looking. Mm. And I crushed the ice up really well into it. I'm like, I'm actually pretty proud of myself on this one. <laughs> I'll absolutely tell you what it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, It's like you know, I'm just a brand ambassador. I can <laughs> I can talk about more than whiskey. I can do yeah. this, but um, I do feel like a brand ambassador for Mr. Black in a way because of we how appreciate checks in the mail. Yeah, same hey, with you, uh,
1: Nigel. Hey, you know, woop woop. I appreciate it. Um, it was another just to go back to what you were saying there before Stefan um, a little bit about or two questions I suppose I your name. one would be that really really interested in the way you talked about the flavor profile because um, that was one of the first things that I kind of learned about coffee in Europe was that there are these in Scotland like forget about it Like <laughs> you're talking about the shite like shiter than any coffee you've ever tasted in I've, your life I've been I've been you would you also
2: would, You you eat it you know you drink it with blood sausage so i mean the blood sausage yeah. is great Oh, i'm
1: all about it but we won't get into that that's <laughs> an argument for another day <laughs> yeah. but the coffee in scotland's horrible mm. but when i moved i moved to spain uh in 2012 2013 and i got a complete education right complete education from the ground up and that was something that they talked a lot about i didn't realize though that it has more flavor compounds than wine and, and whiskey and uh, but I did understand that there's people that do like, you know, are like blenders basically in, in the whiskey business and they, you know, they're quality control, they're tasting the stuff all the time. And it's, it is quite, it's quite similar to whiskey in that sense, I suppose, right? Like, yeah, absolutely like you're all. saying that people, you know, in whiskey, people have it with ice, they have it with a glass of water on the side, they add water, they have it in a cocktail, whatever. And it sounds like that's the experience that you get. From, oh absolutely Through yeah. this And is, yeah. are people drinking Mr. Black that same way Like they're mixing it They're adding it's, it they're- It's across the board
2: right I mean obviously There's some you know Standard easy to make uh, Classic coffee cocktails Right that You can either make At a bar espresso or at home Yeah the espresso martini yeah. The Irish coffee Things like the You know The white Russian Or mm-hmm. black Russians Things like that Or cheeky coffee right You can just like pour yeah. some Mr. Black in your coffee And nobody's gonna know The wiser um, But yeah th- th- Like there's a You know a million different ways to mix with coffee in in the cocktail world especially um because it's so complex of a flavor ingredient right so you can go tropical obviously it works because it's a tropical fruit you can go Savory, you can go spicy, roasty. You know, berries. You can berries work great. Like Nigel said, um, sherry. I absolutely love it with sherry because the yeah. nuttiness works yeah. so well with with you know that roasted coffee flavor. You can take it in every direction, and which is really neat because mm-hmm. it kind of expands your horizons. There's this thing, um, you know, in the in the barista and the coffee trade called the, the the coffee flavor wheel. And it's, it's you know, it's, it blew my mind when I, as a bartender, as a mixologist or whatever, I'm, I've got those in air quotes. You can't see that, obviously. I hate that, <laughs> I hate that term. I think
1: I, even, even the way you said yeah, it. Yeah, I hate telly, that term. Here, okay, Or like, oh, a mixologist. Yeah,
2: like it's just so, too uppity, but like somebody who mixes cocktails, right. whether it's at home, whether it's in the shower, whether it's at, at a fancy bar with dimly lit lights and really excellent playlist. Like downstairs. you can, yeah, just like downstairs. Um, or in a really light, you know, afternoon vibe, like we are up here at, mm-hmm. uh, at, at a bodega. bodega yeah. yeah. La bodega. Very nice. That's a great name. Um, yeah, you can go in any direction with it and you can have a lot of fun in, in that. And the first time I really had the access to looking at that flavor wheel, I was just blown away. I'm like, really what? Like, and I was like, okay, I, I took, I feel like it was, you know, right when I started with Mr. Black, uh, I was just like, okay, I'm just going to find a spoke on that wheel and I'm just going to play with that this week right like i was doing it on my instagram channel and stuff just getting other people inspired by it like mangoes how many different ways can i put mangoes into a coffee cocktail right like um the mango margarita negro which is like the offshoot from the cocktail we've been talking about Mm -hmm. is it turns out they put that on the menu at maybe sammy which is Mm -hmm. uh a top 50 world top 50 best bar it's their best seller right now it's like that it's that good like it's insane that you can do I, i did a clarified mango coffee jungle bird right for a, a training at a at a tiki uh tiki bar in palm springs called bootlegger which is great and that cocktail it blew everybody away because they had never had anything like that and yeah. even me like working out the recipe was just like this is going to be good even though i have to like tweak it a little bit i'm like this is going to be excellent right. yeah. you know it's great in a jungle bird
1: that that kind of leads me into the second one um there's this massive sort of trend at the moment of people going to cocktails and they're looking for you know like a slimline margarita right all this kind of thing you mentioned something really interesting at the start you said 10 times the coffee half the sugar could you talk a little bit about that with regards to things like you know like what is it could you compare this to a competitor and like you know how much sugar is in a a Kahlua say versus a Mr. Black
2: yeah I don't know I haven't tested Kluas Bricks, but it's a lot higher than ours. (laughs) Um, Bricks being, you know, really the the way to, you know, to test, you know, the sugar content in in a liquid. Um, So, I mean, we're at 19, which is pretty low. And when you taste Mr. Black on its own, it's a liqueur, so it's intended to taste sweet, right? Um, But it tastes like, you know, like a sweetened coffee. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the coffee, actually a lot of the sugar you're tasting is actually from the coffee itself. Because the process of roasting coffee is what's really doing is using the malliard process to, to you know translate amino acids and, and starch and sugar into something really delicious, roasty and whatever. Just like you know when you cook a steak, right? You have all this delicious flavor potentially, you know, in that cook, you know, in that uncut, you know, uncooked piece of steak. But as soon as you throw that on the skillet and you start to brown it up, yeah. it completely chemically changes, taking all those stored flavors, you know, and turn transitioning into something spectacular. Yeah. So. Mr. Black can taste sweet on its own, but when you put it in a cocktail, it's actually a lot less sweet than you think it is. Most of my recipes with Mr. Black actually split the spirit base and barely even touch the sugar component of the mm. drink beyond that. Um, so like, like something like a cold fashion, what we like to call the cold brew of fashion, which is basically a modernized version of, of John Santor's revolver cocktail, which was a really amazing modern classic that was designed 11, 12 years ago in San Francisco by John Santer um, before we had anything like Mr. Black on the market. He was using Kahlua. He was using a sweeter coffee liqueur and he was only able to use a very small amount. So what you got was a small variation on an old fashioned mm. or a Manhattan cocktail, whereas the Cobra old fashion is equal parts. Mr. Black whiskey, a couple dashes of bitters, and it's still perfectly balanced. It's actually drier, in my opinion, on sweetness than a, a, a revolver is. But you get this perfect balance between the coffee, because there's so much of it, and the whiskey. It can stand up to a, high, yeah. a high-proof high whiskey, something with a lot of flavor, something with a lot of spice, like a rye. It stands up really well to all that stuff. And then you add a couple dashes of orange bitters, maybe you know an orange peel on it, and it kind of ties the whole thing together with the orange
0: oils. Yeah, I know our friends at Sagamore have used it a lot for cold fashions. Right. And you still get a lot of that feeling of their rye inside of that cocktail. It doesn't disappear at all.
2: Right, whereas I feel like the Revolver is, a, is like two plus ounces of whiskey, and it, that's what you taste. Right. Uh, which is great. I mean, if you're a whiskey lover, you're going to love that. But if you're a cocktail lover, you're probably going to want something that's a
0: little bit more balanced on your palate. Right. And that's where something like the cold brew fashion comes in. It's like instead of adding, you know, a little bit of Kalula to your whiskey, kind of like a coffee, might add a little milk to it, but the coffee's still present in there. Right. It's adding a little sweetness, taking down a little sweetness or adding a little more sweetness to it. Right. But yeah. Way, when kind I'm of when ma- making a
2: cocktail, I'm looking to fi- find like a true balance, something right. that like when you put it on your, your palate, your palate like dances. It's magical, right? Like yeah. some of these cocktails that we, we're probably all thinking in our head, right? Like a, like the Negroni, right? The Negroni is inherently balanced on all the spectrums because not only is it an equal parts cocktail, right? But there's like, there's a fair amount of acidity in mm-hmm. Campari and Sweet Vermouth. Yeah. So like the herbaceousness and the sweetness and the booziness are all balanced really well off of that bright acidity. Right. And like that, it creates this magical thing in your in your palate, right? Mm. Just like this freaking sherry bomb that you brought us today like the sherry really balances like a lot of the spicier notes from the whiskey um mm-hmm. and creates this like creme brulee effect on your palate And it's beautiful yeah. you know it's great when you can get something fresh out of a bottle that that balanced yeah. but generally you know as, a, as somebody who loves cocktails or as a bartender you're looking to create something magical you know out of numerous different things so sure. yeah. absolutely yeah
0: for you was it first coffee a love or did the bar kind of, was your first love?
2: Uh, the, uh, my first job was like making pizzas.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I wasn't my first level though. I can do it really well. Now but my fiance can attest that the pizza night's like her favorite night because I still have that skill. But um, really the first thing I took like to heart and actually put my own personality and effort into was being a barista. Mm-hmm. So coffee was my first thing, my first love in as far as working and working with my hands and getting creative. Um, but it was the second wave of coffee. It wasn't, you know, I mean, we weren't timing espresso shots back then, nobody was. Our espresso was pretty terrible, you know? <laughs> it wasn't roasted very well, it probably wasn't super fresh, and we weren't, we were just kinda eyeballing it, you know? We're basically, generally, most of the espresso at the time was actually under-pulled. Mm. We, were, we were just shutting off the machine before it had enough time to really dilute correctly. right? Um, and the temperature wasn't right, everything was off. But it. I was able to create some pretty tasty stuff out of what we were able to do at the time. And then obviously I started watching bartenders make way more money and the hours were way better because you don't have to wake up at 5 a.m. Uh, so I kind of, Still I transitioned, I transitioned, but <laughs> my love for coffee and my need for coffee, right? Cause the coffee is really the real hero in the bar business. Hmm. I, I've actually, I've worked for a coffee brand. I got, we're coffee people, right? That's my job now. But I, I think I consume less caffeine than I did when I was managing bars. Cause I'd be drinking coffee till, till the the money was counted right, right. you know yeah, I mean
1: you it, working in bars you probably have a even now like the amount of caffeine I can only imagine you know and the, and the lifestyle as well your lifestyle is probably way healthier now
2: yeah absolutely <laughs> I, I get weekends generally which is really you, nice wait, yes. what? yeah, yeah. Usually, I don't even usually. know what those are yeah right but, uh, usually, I mean there's you know, nowadays always, we do hopefully nowadays as it play. comes back we'll have less weekends <laughs> we'll have available plus because if I don't have weekends I'll yeah. I'll take a couple hours right, right. like I have that sure. ability I don't have somebody staring at me in the face you know, or four 18 people four deep staring me in the face going with money, you know, like, (laughs) Hey, 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 can I get a a mule? What like vodka soda, please? Like, I don't have that. So I can take a couple hours, which is rad. But, um, yeah, coffee was my first love. And I love the fact that I'm able to tie those two things together now.
0: And I know you studied in Italy too and spent a year there. Did that heighten your sensibility of coffee? Your fascination? But I was
2: also like a starving artist and student. (laughs) So, like I, I, couldn't really enjoy the coffee experience, like the cafe experience. Yeah. In Italy, it costs about double to enjoy coffee sitting down. So oh. basically, what you do is you take a little, you know, a little, you know, just like a, like a shot of espresso, a short black, or you know, some a, something very small, and you just take it to the dome right. and you move on. That's how you do it. it, it yeah. It's funny in Italy, the coffee shops are called bars, mm-hmm. and the bars are called cafes. Yeah yeah it's pretty crazy mind-boggling yeah, yeah right like, i'm gonna go to the bar i'm like they're all closed it's 10 p.m what are you doing yet <laughs> um but yeah the cafes are the are where you go sit outside aperitivo hour you know negronis but those like all the all the good stuff all the all Spaguetts. the accoutrements yeah
0: spaghetti. Spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a little life nap all there <laughs> oh, pizza and, and the lemon twist the lemon yeah twist. you gotta have the lemon twist <clears throat> But yeah, like, no, it, it definitely
2: did in a way, but it, it was like, I didn't get the full experience. Did you bartend there? I did not. Okay. No, I was 22 when I was living there. Um, I didn't, I had bartended in, in America, but I mean, it was a loose term for bartending when I was 22. Right. Right. Tijuana. Well, be, what's what's in light? Tijuana? You mentioned Tijuana. Yeah. So yeah, Tijuana. Let's talk about that. So I'm, I'm in San Diego right now. It, not only because the weather's amazing, yeah, it's really nice. People are great. People are great. People are great. I got lots of great friends. I've been there for a while. Um, my family's there. You know, my, my immediate family, my fiance, and my cats. But <laughs> um, I'm in I'm in San Diego. Proximity to airport's really nice. I I live like a minimum Uber fare from the airport, That's so nice. I can get anywhere in the U S. really quickly. Um, but really what keeps me there is this whole Cali Baja experience That's go- like this renaissance that's going on in northern Baja and in S- Southern California where, you know, tacos, right? Like tacos are expanding throughout the world right now. And a lot of the epicenter for that is actually in Baja, California, um, especially Tijuana, Rosarito. Yeah, uh, Valle de Guadalupe, which is where the wine is being produced right now in Baja. And Tijuana is having a resurgence and it's really cool. To see it, because when I first moved to San Diego, nobody went down to Tijuana. People were losing their heads. There was ransoms on, on anybody who had any cash, right? Any but any family that had any money would pretty much, you know, would have to pay ransom on their kids. You know, yeah. it was out of control. Um and it for once it wasn't like you know a strong mayor right like it wasn't you know a strong mayor coming in and breaking breaking up you know gangs right. it was it was a groundswell movement of a group like a basically a generation that could have been lost pretty much and they decided they weren't going to take it anymore so and it was the artisans it was bartenders it was um chefs it was artists it was musicians that was the start of the movement to get tj out of the gutter and it was really cool to see, and it's it's been fun and like rewarding to be a small little grain of sand to, ha- to help that process. Uh, because I started consulting on a bar down in Tijuana, uh, really the first true coffee, craft cocktail bar in Northern Baja. Um, and it, it's turned into something that always ends up on the top lists in Mexico, and has more so, more than that, because the accolades aren't really it, um, it's created a community down there. It, it was the first anchor point where we were able to train a few bartenders who then started training other people. I just, you know, it was one of the dominoes that first fell. And then they're all starting to fall now. There's all these amazing spots opening up. The food scene is like you know, a world's five best. I mean, it's always in Bon Appetit and all these natural national and international publications is you gotta go down there and try the food in TJ. It's insane. How did you get involved with all that? Yeah. So one of my buddies was consulting a lot for bars, both uh, both sides of the border um he owned a company called snake oil mm. that uh was kind of doing that am- amongst that was like a side project most most of what they were doing were big events you know the, the money events um and he he scored a contract with uh the chef owner rufo who's now one of my best friends he's an amazing individual he's like the he's like the mexico like celebrity chef he's like the guy like from mexico right now he's 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 worked very hard to get where he's at but he's Very talented, and he's a good human being. Um, But yeah, he scored the contract for his restaurant, Oryx Capital, and uh, there was a component where they were opening up a speakeasy behind it, which is, in Mexico, is really strange. I don't know if you all know, but they didn't have prohibition. (laughs) They didn't at all. They've never drank in a den, like, without windows, you know, like a whiskey (laughs) den. They don't, it's not a sin, right? Like, to drink in Mexico, it's a part of the culture. So it took a while to kind of translate people into being like, well, this is just, just go on this experience with us, right? Like, it's exclusive, it's interesting, it's fun, you know, it gets you out of the normal. Um, and then the second thing was getting them to pay a couple extra pesos for it, because it was more expensive. <laughs> but what it did was it created, you know, it created a need for new distribution for a lot of things, mainly whiskey. There was no rye whiskey in Baja, California. You couldn't get it. I had to, sh- I, I, honestly, I had to hoof it across the border for the first four months we were open. Every every time, every week I went down with three, four bottles, you know, at the legal maximum I could bring, right? Not to get stuck in secondary. right um, And then we'd have to fill bourbon bottles with the seals and all that stuff because, you know, if they got caught, they'd just get shut down by the, by the Mexican authorities. So through that whole process, we created a need and a demand for rye whiskey in Baja, California, which was rad because now they've got a couple to choose from and they have it on the menu. But... If hmm. you were living in Tijuana, you you have North Deco, the, the speakeasy to thank for your rye whiskey at your you know at your bottle shops. Yeah. which is insane.
0: What it's, year did you start consulting down there? It's probably about five five years ago. Okay, so it's all that new, which kind of explains the rise of distilleries coming right. up down there too. Oh
2: yeah, it's it's insane to see. A beer has always been ahead of the cocktail scene down there because of its proximity with San Diego and it's easier to do, Mm -hmm. you know, but we're starting to see, um, things change. And in Mexico, you know, like obviously Mexican spirits, agave spirits are just incredible, but to see some whiskey distilleries show up, even agave distilleries that are trying their hand at a corn whiskey or something like that. Right. Which was predating like the Abasolos and the, you know, the, the modern, more, you know, robust, Uh, corn whiskeys that have been aged longer but it's it showed that there's a possibility to do that and it it brought new new life to a you know to a a fledgling community Hmm. Uh, but it's been rad and I mean we just saw a couple rad new bars open up by people who you know were in that tree with Nortico like that myself and um and a few others kind of trained these these uh these new bartenders and now they're opening their own spots whether it's coffee shops Mm. one of One of the guys I I worked with to open up Norteco, he opened up his own coffee shop, and he's got another one on the way. Um, And, you know, the guy he trained just opened up his own bar uh, called Aruba, and that's a great little spot right next to the big gastronomic, um, like, uh, taco, or like the food truck. They call it a Telefonica Gastropark, and that's been written up on every international publication. Some of the best food, you know, you're going to get anywhere is at this place. So... One dude's coffee shop's across the street. The other guy is just down the street, but it's all right there. Um, uh, used to be in San Diego, you go down there when you turn, you know, 16 or whatever, when you have the legal ma- wait, ma- you know, legal age to drink down there, and you just get wasted. Yep. You end up at, you know, some some weird spots, you know, there's a place called Hong Kong, look it up on Google, I'm not gonna tell y'all about it. Um, but nowadays, people are going down, they're going down for lunch. When I was trying to take people down there, they're like, I'm not going down there, that's, I'm like, that's not the TJ I'm taking you to. Right. Taking you to lunch, you're gonna get some culture, there's some art, there's beautiful museums down there, there's awesome people, there's great music, there's awesome food, and there's great cocktails and great beer, good vibes, just check it out. Like, come take the journey with me. And then once I take them once, They're going, and they're bringing their friends.
1: So I've been to Tijuana a couple of times. Uh, First time was in uh, 2015, and then I went again in 2019. The difference was humongous. Like I went in 2015, and it looked like, you know how all people joke about that? There's that meme that all American films have that kind of... Of like greyish kind of dust bowl <laughs> sort of look over Mexican films, mm. and when I think about twenty fifteen, that's the kind of vibe that I got. You know, sure. everything was kind of back end, lots of cash, places, all this sort of stuff. Then when I went again in twenty nineteen, it was totally different. Like, and it was only four years. You I'm know. really proud of
2: of what Tijuana and Tijuanese people have done to, with their city and, yeah. and where they're taking it. There's obviously it's not there. We're not. Um, you know, we're not. It's always a process, right? Yeah, and it's always going to be a process when you have a, a very instable government right. you know a very weak na- uh, national government in mexico in my opinion uh, a lot of the people in tj don't really care for the new president they have um and uh and then you know you've, you've got you know a border issue it's gotten worse uh in the trump administration with um it's the largest land border crossing in the world right now the san ysidro border crossing between tijuana and san diego so there's more cars and people that cross wow. that daily than anywhere else in the world um and it's become way tougher to do it um when i was building that bar it took three hours to get across you know in the afternoon to get to my you know day job or my evening job right to bartend until 2 a.m and then i wake back up and do the same thing over and over and over until that bar was open and i took a break but um but yeah it's tough it's a real tough and if you there's a lot of day workers and they like their whole life is just crossing really well
1: i was going to say that that's the impression that I got in 2019. People started crossing all the time to do their shopping or like right. go to the dentist. Right. You know, people were crossing for, but back in 2015 when I first crossed, no one was really doing right. America. We need to get back. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah.
2: We need to get back to 2019. To be honest right now, most of the people, even the ones that have their papers have their century or, or like it just expired. They just need to renew it. We ha- they haven't been able to. A lot of my good friends who have business in San Diego can't come up unless they literally take a flight from Tijuana to Los Cabos mm. and then take a flight from Los Cabos to San Diego. They can't cross on the border. They have to cross in the air. Um, that's, all that, COVID related. that's all
0: COVID-related? That's um, all
2: COVID-related, and it's it hasn't changed, even though, I mean, obviously, in, in, in Mexico, the the cases are still higher than here, and, right. you know, there's way less, you know, proximity to vaccine. But in Tijuana, especially the vaccine is starting to roll out pretty well. So I'm hoping here, you know, in the next few months before Christmas, we can start getting back to, you know, a a more porous border. Because both those cities have prospered at Mm. any moment when when that border was was more fluid. Um, If you think during prohibition, that's really when Tijuana exploded. Because all this, you know, just like Cuba, just like uh, Europe, a lot of Americans went on alcohol tourism, right? Oh, like so Canada, as well. yeah.
1: Canada. Yeah. And And there's
2: a big connection with Tijuana in, in Chicago with the outfit that was rum running and, and oh, really? bootlegging in Chicago with uh, uh, Al Capone. I didn't they know had that. that that same outfit was running across the border in Tijuana. Like huh. they ran a second operation down there. So there's a huge, they, there's like a lot of stuff to Al Capone down in, in Tijuana that yeah. I was like, what is this doing here? Yeah. Awesome. Really? I didn't know yeah. that. Huh? But well, that the, that bar, North if you go down to Tijuana, it celebrates that whole exper- that whole cool. portion. Um, it really does celebrate the uh, the time during mm. Prohibition from the Tijuanese perspective, which is right. really interesting. It's not about the the you know the noble experiment, you know, right? It's not about you know uh, prohibition. It's about what that did to what was mm. a very sleepy farm town and turned it into this kind of a party town, like yeah, the right, Vegas right. Of, of, of Baja. But it blew up. You know, there was all this money, right? All these American dollars that were influxed in. It's a very interesting area, you know, of the world. Very interesting mm-hmm. history, especially from you know all of us sitting here talking about alcohol
0: and booze for a living. Right, and it's a really interesting, authentic appeal to have from their point of view versus ours, where we, you know, we have these speakeasies still today that are they're not illegal, obviously, but we use the term speakeasy kind of to honor the past and yeah. evoke some kind of nostalgia that we can't necessarily relate to because we weren't alive in right. 1930, but we can. Yeah, but the that people work, who right. live in
2: Tijuana have what they have because of prohibition. Exactly, it's left. They there. would be. The they would still have subject. sheep if it wasn't for that. <laughs> to be honest, it really wasn't a very big city. It was a farm town, yeah. and you can experience that. There's museums in Tijuana that really show you show you that perspective. It's pretty yeah. cool. I've definitely enjoyed those, um, and I can't wait to get Mr. Black down there. To I was going to ask, is that a plan? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I I have the distributor lined up, but it's really about you know the supply chains that we were talking about off air, and yeah. um, and even our you know our production schedule because we're launching new countries in Europe. We're launching new states here in in the US. We just launched Nashville and Wisconsin recently. So there's a plan and there's a method to the madness and and our founder Tom has has like the keys to that. but it's in the plan eventually you know to yeah. get it in canada especially canada has been clamoring for it so that's also if, if anybody's listening in canada we're getting there i promise you guys are beating us up on youtube and, <laughs> and on social media but uh we're getting there for sure it, we just want to make sure what you get is exactly as delicious as what's Exa- what's yeah. here on this podcast
0: um, which we were talking about with the supply chain being backed up as you were alluding to and now uh, air shipping this over correct
2: um, occasionally, when needed, we don't want to run out, especially for our bar partners. Like if you have us on a cocktail menu, if right. you, you know, if you love us, we don't want it to become difficult for you to have to make a decision between waiting on the next shipment or you know switching to something else that's far less you know delicious.
0: Is but price a little bit of a problem there too with Canada as it goes up
2: a little bit and higher? Obviously, maybe I don't know. I still need to talk to. I got a couple of guys down there that, up there that want to. Yeah, wanna, I know it
0: can just. It can jump prices from compared to here in the U.S. Yeah, I mean, it can. Um, But we've
2: been pretty fortunate uh, on keeping Mr. Black at a really reasonable price, to be honest with you. Especially with, I mean, you know this, working for Starward, like the price that distilleries pay... In tax in Australia is larger than anywhere else in the world.
0: What's the AU over over in Australia for a bottle? Of Mr. Black,
2: you know, I can't recall and I mean, then I
0: guess 65 ish probably
2: maybe a little less okay. maybe in the 50s But it's also a couple oh, yeah, percentage points uh, alcohol content less oh. Because of that tax mm, it yeah. I've tasted it. it's really hard to taste the difference, especially on its yeah, own I've, um,
0: at First time I ever had it actually was in Australia, right? Yeah. So I can't really I guess remember the difference between the two.
2: Uh if we did it recently. I think we switched to twenty uh twenty three percent as opposed to twenty five, but it's hard, it's not noticeable. We I was sitting there with our global ambassador and our like head of coffee and I'm just like, I can't He's yeah. like, We can't either. I'm like okay. I'm like what If you guys can't, then I don't think yeah, I don't, yeah. I mean, I'm like, I'm the you know, I try to stay you know, things humble you all the time, right? right. You don't even have to as long as you have your eyes open your ears open you you don't you don't have to i gotta stay humble like mm-hmm. just let it happen naturally right like you fumble around on a you know th- the start of a podcast or you you know hey, hey, you're hey, out hey, on, <laughs> hey, 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 hey. or you're out on the streets and you know not some- that humble not that humble <laughs> <laughs> or you start you're out on the streets and like you know somebody approaches and you you know like they ask you for the time and you're like you say you say your favorite color you know yeah. like just stupid stuff you know like well yep you know like when you're talking about like tasting and like, oh man, like we, to listen to you guys talk about this whiskey mm. and I was tasting along, along with you and I was like, I would have never picked out that you know, flavor component. Maybe I'm a little rusty on tasting like foolproof spirits because I work for a liqueur brand these days, <laughs> yeah. but, um, but I used to pride myself on like being able to really pick, you know, really es- esoteric notes out of a whiskey, right? Yeah. It's or, a
0: useless talent to have, I'm gonna say, so.
2: <laughs> I don't know, it got you a podcast, you're sitting on green it chairs. It got me a podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, yeah, but life will always humble you, whether, whatever Absolutely. it might be. Yeah.
0: Well, it's really cool to see the show, the social awareness um, part of whiskey making, bartending, the whole industry is there. And I think what you just talked about in that story with um, what you're doing from San Diego into Mexico and with your friends and building that community, it's, I, I don't know if that's, I don't have a story that can replicate that at all here in the U.S.
2: Yeah. And it's, I mean, like I said, it's the reason why I'm still down there because I've I, I'm passionate about it. Like it, 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 started out as just a little side project, you know, thought I might make a little bit of money. Yeah. Let me just tell you, don't get paid in pesos. If you, oh. if you live in the States, it's a terrible, <laughs> a terrible conversion rate.
4: Really bad. Yeah. 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 So oh. I,
2: when I finally translated the pesos to dollars, I was like, Oh, what was I doing? Yeah. And I fell in love with the community. I've made a lot of friends. So I kept going. So like for what, All ended up being like $600 in in cash money. Yeah. You know, I've invested, you know, five plus years of my life, but not because of the money, because I I love the people. I'm passionate about it. And it was the same thing. I, I was a little late to really be a part of the first like kind of cocktail renaissance. Yeah. I was in San Francisco. I was bartending when, you know, John Santer and, you know, All the uh, you know Eric Castro and all these crazy like awesome you know pillars of the of the San Francisco scene um, were creating these amazing cocktails and you know all the modern classics we know today right like the pina verde and the you know Ken Burns effect and uh, yeah Tommy's we were talking about Tommy's right geez that that Tommy's margarita what what we, people call the skinny margarita now, mm-hmm. but like real, real lime, real agave and, and tequila, nothing else, right? Cutting out the orange liqueur, just keeping it really fresh and being more of a sour than a daisy. Right. Like that was mind blowing at the time in the, in the 80s when they, when they came up with it, right? But nowadays we do it all the time. I don't even know it existed
0: until I went to San Francisco right. at my 22. Like because it's in, in an Iowa, old, like, like,
2: kind of like Americanized a Mexican restaurant. Right, and you're right. like, whoa, what the heck is going on here? You're just right? kind of
0: thinking, like, you just know margarita mix like from your freezer, pretty much. It's all right. you have the experience. Uh, I, while with.
2: they were doing that, I was I was mixing you know a couple things with sweet and sour and putting it in an Island Oasis machine and letting it you know slush and blend. Yeah, like that was hardly bartending, right? But it obviously got me passionate about you know the craft. Uh, there was a few bottles behind the bar that could get me really interested, like Angostura bitters. Like, what is this mm. weird thing that has too much, you know, wrapper on it? Like, why is it taste <laughs> Why is it taste so good and bitter? Like, why does it really change, you know, a, a shitty cocktail into a good one? Like, those things can kind of take you down the rabbit hole, and then you can go to places like Bourbon and Branch, and you know, uh, absinthe, and and you know, places like that, and like learn more about it. So that, that was what I did, but I wasn't able to really start that community i obviously benefited benefited from it greatly you educated right? by it. Yeah, yeah i got educated by it i took it to new markets i took it to new heights just like a lot of us did but in tj i i got i ha- actually had the ability to be a part of that like the first catalyst right. of, of the scene and just be a fly in the wall to watch it grow now it's mm. freaking awesome i get i now i have a lot more in common with you know jimmy han and and John Santor and Sasha Petrowski and all these people because I'm, I mean, in a smaller way, right. For one little community, I helped foster something right. really magical. So I hate, I would hate to fly away from that. You know, when did
0: you leave San Francisco?
2: I left when I was 25. Okay. Yeah. So I'm 42 now. So
0: gotcha. Yeah. So when, how long have you been in San Diego? I've been in San Diego for 15. I spent okay, a year so in
2: Florence, Italy, uh, studying art history. We talked a little bit about that off air. Right. Um, and like just enjoying being closer to my roots cause my family's from Italy. Um, and, and then I moved down to San Diego. I moved down for a girl. That situation didn't work out oh. as, as it does. Ooh, I know that. Oh. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh. That's right? why I'm in oh. Chicago. Yeah. And then
2: and then I went through this weird period of my life that I didn't drink a whole lot of coffee because it was hotter than I've ever been. Like, San Diego is like 70 degrees annually. San Francisco
1: was cold. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Like,
2: not only do you want crave a cup of coffee, your body needs the caffeine, but you're like, also, it's cold. I mean, let me grab some coffee. And then I went through this weird period in San Diego, and I feel like it was part of the depression I had was... Like, I was away from my family, but then I wasn't even drinking, like, coffee, which was, you know, a constant mm-hmm. in my life, my entire Comfort. life. My my mother started me on coffee when I was nine years old. I, She she started out by putting a little bit of coffee in my milk and calling it coffee. She and got you hooked. Yeah, but it was just, like, the, the amount of coffee to, to milk through my childhood and into my adult life just, you know, obviously switched to the point now I... I would never you know like yeah. it's just black for me all the time so but
1: before you were having coffee with your milk and now you have a little bit of milk with your coffee right now i, I don't Zero even i leave milk. the milk in the fridge yeah <laughs> um, this guy always needs his milk
2: yeah I but like a bit milk. everybody I like li- a that's hey that's why coffee is so awesome is that everybody gets to enjoy it their own way um if i have already had a couple cups of coffee and i make it to a really awesome cafe i'll order like a flat yeah. white with oat milk or something just for the experience you know for the flavor i love how you know the, the kind of like toasted oat with, with really beautiful coffee or espresso. So that I love that relationship and I'll absolutely enjoy it, but it slows the process mm-hmm. down. So I'm not, I'm just talking like this cause I'm really caffeinated.
0: You know, <laughs> was there a certain spirit that brought you into the cocktail scene that really piqued your interest? I mean, it was whiskey was my first love Okay, for sure. And that's not just
2: cause I'm on the whiskey Cop podcast, but, um, good show. Yeah. Whiskey was absolutely my first love. It always will be, um, there. I, I really enjoy when I'm actually blown away by a new whiskey that tastes, you know, individual, I mean, all whiskey does, but it's all inherently whiskey, you know? New World whiskey, obviously, is more interesting for me now because I've tasted through so many bourbons and ryes and, and, you know, single malt scotches. Um, And then, like, a lot of the stuff in Ireland, finally, now that that they're starting to expand. the single
1: malt stuff. Oh, man, well, now they're finally starting to
2: expand (laughs) out of, like, the three old (laughs) distilleries they had forever. Um, New distilleries are popping up. Things like... uh, uh, Connemara where they're adding a little bit of peat. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. That, that stuff is so interesting to me. And Definitely. that's, that, it brings me back to why I love, you know, agave spirits, especially mezcal and, you know, rums is that there, you can really anywhere in that category, you're going to get a different flavor profile in every bottle mm-hmm. for all these other reasons, right. That whiskey really doesn't have at its disposal
0: per se. I think the whiskeys you're talking about too are truly identifying their space, yep. the place they're coming from.
2: Which, and that's why that's what I love. Yeah. And that's, that's what, what your, what your I bottle does. Rome. Right. Right. So
3: uh, just the funkiness of stuff. I think because I started working at uh, my first bartending job was at Margarita Bill's Cheeseburger in Paradise. Yeah. yeah. So I, I dealt with a lot of the uh, the rums that a lot of the college kids know. Right. And you know, so he-
2: Heavily dosaged or caramelized. It.
3: Yeah. And then so, uh, you know, growing from there, I get a lot of people who say they don't like rum because they think it's too sweet. And I'm like, little do they know. Yeah. There's a whole atlas of rums out there that taste nothing. Little did they alike. know they weren't
2: drinking rum. They were, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. They were drinking sugarcane water.
3: So I'm like, if you trust me, I feel like Aladdin. I'm like, do you trust me? And I was like, I'm a boy. <laughs> 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 I love He does it, it every podcast, I think.
0: Uh, oh, no, that's a great point, though. And I think with, like, Mr. Black, it's not, you know, grains from, or it is grains from Australia when it com- making the vodka, right? Using local products there, right. um, but the coffee itself isn't coming from Australia But it shows the interest and passion with the people who started this brand with their interest in coffee and their interest for spirits Combining into one.
2: Yeah, I mean luckily we're not Sourcing coffee from Australia because it's not good right like I assume it wouldn't be well, I, I mean it's tropical enough But it, there's no elevation right and you need it's both are really key to, to producing really excellent Arabicas. Um, or you can grow anywhere, hmm. but it's also really terrible. <laughs> it's really bitter and acidic and woody Um but yeah, I, I think what I, I think regardless of what spirit you're talking about, the ones that really hit me and the ones that I, I feel are the best in the world are the ones that absolutely are identifiable viable and and bring everything regionally that's excellent from their communities right. into the bottle. And that's definitely in this, you know, mm. bottle of whiskey. It's obviously in Mr. Black. It's in most of the, you know, rum like the good, the honest rums of the world, right? Like you know, Jamaica with all the funky natural yeast strains Rums with an H r- Yeah. Rums with an H or, you know, or r- like basically English and, in, and, in, in, uh, French style rums, Spanish style rums get really problematic. Cause you end up with just all columns still. And you know, some are really delicious, but most have been dosaged, Right. But a lot of the English rums, English style rums from, you know, Jamaica and, and places like that, uh, Barbados are super delicious and very, you know, regionally expressive um same obviously with Martinique yeah, yeah it's really yeah. yeah it's really easy in Martinique because they have a the french like they always do they really standardize everything you know in a very specific way so it's made you know the same way every time but it's it's proper right it's been made well and uh i think mean, there's a lot of american distilleries trying to make like a cane yeah. rum, like a fresh cane rum molasses but, based
0: or something
2: yeah, yeah well molasses based is what they should do but there are some american ones that are attempting this fresh cane mm-hmm. fresh pressed cane stuff and I mean most of them don't turn out well and there's a reason why every you know distillery in Martinique and the cachaça distilleries in Brazil are literally in, like you can throw a stone and hit the cane right because it needs to be pressed you know and, and into the you know mash as soon as possible yeah and even then you're going to get really a lot of funkiness from Martinique and what have you but any more than you end up with that really like olive briny kind of you know switch you know like like funky cheese which is great and Distinguishable, but you don't like it's hard to mix with it in any real quantities You're like yeah. you put a bar spoon in there and they're like, what is this? I'm like, well, it's this rum Yeah, I only put the <laughs> smallest amount, but you can taste it. Can't you?
0: No, and it's true And like there's the molasses attempt, which we've yeah. I know I don't know if you were around at this point But molasses can also freeze in its liquid form and yeah. it doesn't freeze down in those parts of the world that you're talking about nope. But here in the Midwest or other parts of the United States us. and then all of a sudden you're putting heat jackets around barrels to loosen it up loosen. and bring it so back what on. are you
2: doing maybe maybe you're just not in a neighborhood that you can really make rum. maybe you should be making whiskey right yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. yeah absolutely yeah. 100%. i mean i like rum too but move somewhere else if you're gonna yeah. be trying to yeah, if you're jacketing barrels geez i didn't know that was a thing yeah seen jacketing it barrels twice jacketing. seen it yeah we have, a, we have a, the smallest little pot still at uh, Distillery Botanica, um, the distillery that, that we make Mr. Black at, and uh, it's got an outside jacket, and it's not metal. It's like, have you seen it? Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what material it's, it's like. oh, you know, yeah. But it looks like, it literally looks like somebody put a sweater over our pot still. <laughs> I'll show you a photo up here, but it's hilarious. It was the first time I've ever seen that, and like, I was trying to tell Sean about it, uh, your counterpart with was, was Star Wars, and he's mm-hmm. like, no, you mean like, metal or whatever. I was like, no, let me show you this thing. Yeah, because like, we what have around is this? Are still? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. What is this?
0: It's hilarious. How did you uh I know Tom could contacted you earlier about you know he was opening up in the States, but what drew you to the brand itself? Was well, it Well,
2: I mean he tasted me on it well before it was in market. Mm-hmm. And um I like kind of told him I was like I'm not
0: probably not gonna like this, right? I've never had a good I was wondering if that was a case. Like never had a good Coffee liqueur yeah, ever in my life. I think when we were hanging out there at night, someone said, I've never had a coffee liqueur where the nose is phenomenal and the taste actually matches that. Yeah. That's it's actually crazy. really
2: hard. And I don't even know all the, the science behind how that happens with Mr. Black. Magic. But that was the, the black, <laughs> Mr. Black magic. That was one of the hardest things we did when creating this product was actually getting the nose to match up with the flavor. That's mm-hmm. actually really hard to stabilize that yeah. aroma. But... They did it. I mean, there's a reason why I mean, our our head of coffee and, and really the guy that's all behind the coffee aspect of it has his PhD in biochemistry. So he, it takes that level of, of thought to be able to do it. Um, and which is why our coffee is so darn bloody delicious, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I, I, I when I first tasted it, it blew me away. And that's where we win with people, I feel like. I think that's where the magic happens when they taste it for the first time, because they're expecting something else. Right. And rightfully so, because years and years of coffee liqueurs have have, have given you that expectation that it's going to be something completely different from what this is. Mm-hmm. It's not overly sweet. It's not cloying. And it tastes like, like your best cup of coffee, but with booze.
0: I agree. And it's something that you've accomplished too. I, right away, when we opened it up, it fills the room. Yeah. And right. For people who hadn't it's, had it before, yeah. you know, there's what, three people in this room who hadn't had it before until today. It was until all. Today. Yeah. How, what'd you, how'd you feel about it?
3: I, like I said, the first thing that the nose literally took me back to. My childhood in the uh, – my grandparents' land up in Puerto Rico when they grew their own and cultivated and brokered their own coffee. Um, at immediately, the nose, the roast is such a deep, luscious, you know, deep, deep roast. And then the taste took me to Miami where hmm. you go to a cafeteria yep. anywhere in Calle Ocho. You get a yeah. little colada and then a little pour of that little shot. Benedita,
2: of, I think that was they like called the little window. Yeah, Benedita, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, my uh, my Cuban Spanish is terrible. It's right. Well, it's so cool yeah. to
0: see like how we talk about yeah. whiskey evoking those emotions with each drink, and that's awesome that this liqueur can do this too. And yeah. I thought the same thing where this puts me. The first time I had it, you eat, love coffee. I love coffee, and it put me right in a roastery. It put me in yeah. my local coffee shop when I was eight thousand miles away, or how far it is from Melbourne to Chicago. And you're like, oh. This Is something that yeah, I just want to awesome. sit down with and enjoy and sip on, and then I'm like, Oh, what cocktails can you put it in? And right away, we were making some cold fashions with it, but at the same time, you appreciate it for what it is because the flavors are so immense and follow with it from the nose all the way to the finish of the drink.
1: So, I'd tried it before at your place, I think, yeah, um, a bunch of times. But the one that the, the thing that I loved about this conversation, I'm, I'm one of the big things I'm going to take away from it is this. Uh, the way that you were talking about it and how versatile it is mm-hmm. you know right um i think going back to what we'd said about the this original idea of the whether it was an espresso martini cold fashioned or whatever it was you added something like a kahlua or or you know like the hundreds of other coffee liqueurs that are out there and it was so sweet and it was so overpowering but with this like you know jake mentioned the margarita so i was like oh <laughs> like that's super cool that, and and equal parts right so you're not you're not you're not taking any flavors away you're just adding and it's like yeah. that synergy is greater greater than the sum of its parts exactly right? it,
2: it, you you get a, a better balance and you get more coffee and when the coffee's delicious you don't need to hide it right like yeah. obviously if the coffee's terrible you're going to add a lot of sugar you're going to add a lot of you know yeah. you know milk or mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. alternative milk whatever you're going to use to hide it or you know salt even right like if it's really terrible salt can maybe fix some things but um, when the coffee's really good you want to let it shine um, so we've, uh, that's why we use a vodka as a base and in saying, so now we're, now we're getting to play with that great coffee. We're coming out with single origin releases. We came, we've came out with two so far, one from Colombia, which was a honey processed, uh, Katura from Luis Anabal's Finca down there. And it was, it's so interesting to see that kind of like kind of funkier, earthier mm-hmm. style of coffee, um, in, in our liqueur. I think a lot of people aren't used to tasting and cupping coffee probably aren't going to be able to tell the difference when they go to a, like a fancy coffee shop and they maybe they get a, you know, something from, you know, Colombia or, you know, Papua New Guinea, or wherever they're, they're getting it from Ethiopia or Kenya. Um, They're probably not gonna be able to really ascertain like all the weird flavor notes in there. They're like, yeah, it tastes like coffee, right? I don't drink enough coffee to really be able to experience that. Yeah. Yeah. But, but something about adding booze and and sugar to it helps you really kind of translate that and it boosts some of those
1: notes. But also because people are probably, the people that aren't big coffee guns, they're probably drinking cocktails more often than they are. Like, you know, they're probably drinking three, four cocktails a week.
2: Versus you know. it translates for people in a, in a way easier way sometimes. Yeah. So that Colombian was, it, it was, it was spectacular and it's still actually available in New York state through Aster wines. We sold out of our second release really quickly because uh, we released it in a bigger way in, in more markets, more States. It was an Ethiopian. We went back to the birthplace of coffee um, all all washed from a, from a small wash station in Ur, the Urushef province, which is known to have some of the best coffee in the world. And that one, was super delicious. It had this beautiful, like, bright orange marmalade, sparkly finish. Um, went really quick. Um, and we're actually now playing even further with our, you know, coffees and, um, and with the product. We're actually like releasing something next week, right? Cool. So, um, we have this thing where we're, yeah, exclusive to, oh, uh, there we go. go. There <laughs> we go. Yeah, yeah, let make sure life. release us next week. Yeah, yeah yes. you, should. you should definitely do it. Um, but we actually asked the uh, the legends in Vermont over at Whistle Pig to ship us some of their barrels that were that they couldn't use anymore from the nice. old ten-year uh, stock, and we rested Mr. Black in it for six to nine months, and then we blended cool. we blended a little bit of Whistle Pig back in, which is pretty cool.
1: That's super. So cool. So it's wow. a
2: little higher proof, it's 27, but uh, mm-hmm. it just gives you that nice rye finish that kind of spiciness but for me it's like huge mocha vibe so like the first time you had a, like a really good mocha with like proper oh, cacao yeah. Yeah. that's where it goes for me on the top of the palate and then oh. it kind of sinks in with more dark fruits and you know rye spice and what have you it's, it's really spectacular it's only going to be available on our website okay and bennies bennies some. well bennies what, what the, the heck yeah, so for Key in the Lake fans, a lot, of Chicago, a lot of Chicago fans. A lot of Chicago fans. Lot of Chica- yeah, yeah, who would have... This is, was totally just I a was just told that it's going to be at Benny's like an hour ago, and I'm a little upset because it's not going to be in California. But um, you could always... You, I'll save you a bottle. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I just did a... Uh, we just launched a YouTube video on it, kind of uh, oh, highlighting cool. it with the uh, whistle pig um, ambassador for California. Um, and it was her first time tasting it on air, so it's kind of cool for oh, her to be nice. like... Dude. You know, like went through the whole range of emotions in her, in her eyes and stuff. Um, going from like, this is a lot of, cop- ooh that tastes like Whistlepig. You know, like the whole progression. Um, but it's cool. It's got the DNA. It's got the, you know, it's got the DNA of, of whistle pig in there. There's that yeast strain. There's that, you know, mm. that identity to it. Um, it was cool. So I hope to be able to do that more. Starward and us have been using, you know, been incorporating a lot of and collabing together, uh, creating batch cocktails so hopefully we continue doing that and some of the, those releases come to the states but we're always looking at finding new and fun ways to showcase
0: really good coffee yeah. in spirits and in cocktails yeah those batch cocktails people dm me every day like are those available in the u.s yet i'm I like i didn't even know we had the, those new bottling and projects with it beautiful until it, oh, right? until it came out yeah and i'm like we're the last to know. Yeah, right, right, right. I'm like, well, I knew about one of them. I didn't know the Mister Black one though. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty cool that we're
2: doing that. Yep. I mean, obviously our founders are like best friends. Right. They're just you know there's
0: there's like a big body of water in between them right now, but this is true. Yeah, and a whole lot of COVID. But I, I'm, <laughs> a <lot> of COVID. <laughs> I'm I'll never forget when I met Tom at BCB two years ago, standing in line for I want to say I want to say it was tacos at a, at a, tr- a food truck and that sounds like Tom Baker. And also I hear Jake. I'm like. Yeah. He's like, "Tom." I'm like, "Cool." <laughs> "Hi, Tom." He's like, "Tom Baker." I'm like, "Oh." I'm like, "How do you know who I am?" That's Tom. Right. He's like, "I'm like, how do you know who I am with you? this
2: podcast? It, it really gets out." I there. was
0: wondering if it was that podcast, but then I realized I'm wearing a giant name badge with Jake on the front. Star Wars. Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, that probably do. Yeah. <laughs> Where uh, Dave was pointing at you. Yeah. "That's that one's Jake. Jake. That one's Jake. The guy, the guy over there. Yeah. The guy. <laughs> the guy wearing a hat like Martin's." Which I used to wear a lot of fedoras, but ah, really? now they're too small for my Martin hair. Martin Hudak, the hair. what a man! Yeah, he's a great dude. Jeez, that guy just needs to take it.
2: I mean, it's just like us, I guess. Like, the whole brand has no chill, right? Because we're caffeinated. Mm. And that guy, like, he's, he's a partner at Maybe Sammy, which is a top bar in the world. Yeah, be- they opened up a coffee shop. Around the, the corner called oh. Sammy Jr. That looks incredible. Obviously, I haven't been there yet.
0: The uh, first Jr. time I had Mr. Black was with him hosting an event at uh, the Black Pearl, which is a bar in oh, yeah. uh, at Melbourne. So Awesome yeah. spot in yeah. Melbourne. Yeah, it was yeah, a little upstairs thing in their version of a speakeasy, I guess, if right. you will. But
2: yeah, because they also didn't have... Uh, they had a weird probation.
0: They had a weird prohibition. They had an earlier prohibition, I believe. Right,
2: but it wasn't as long, and it we, wasn't as enforced. No, I
0: and mean, like, people don't... I mean that's a whole different subject, but there was like 25 states in America that already had prohibitions before prohibition started. So. Yeah. We could get in it.
2: Let's get into it in the next podcast. The next podcast. The, we next, probably, the history of prohibitions. Right, right, right.
0: Well, uh, Stefan, thanks for coming all the way out from California to be on this podcast. Yeah, that was absolutely <laughs> amazing. Was I guess so I'm going to get back on the flight because yeah. that was all I was here for, right? Right, right. was yeah. so, so interesting. Thank you yeah. so much. We I like to mix it up a little a bit here, so it was great to have a, a spirits conversation. And obviously, I think part of this podcast is an industry conversation, too. So um, a great little turnaround there. This was a blast. Hopefully, people learned some stuff. Uh,
2: I think I learned so.
3: learned a lot. I, I'm sure. I, I learned I need to get my passport out when this is Yeah. A oh. Everybody, <laughs> when yeah. you come down to San Diego, <laughs> no look noise. me up, S-J-B-E-R-T-O
2: on Instagram, S-J-B-E-R-T-O. And just tell me, just say, take me to TJ, and I'll know, I'll know where you're coming from. I and love she'd be like, key in the TJ. lake, take me to TJ. I'm like, all That's right, like let's go, get in my car. Keeping them I'm American. Uh, but seriously, w- when you all come to San Diego, bring your passports and green cards or whatever. If I don't know what, <laughs> you're good. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with an
1: accent that thick, you never know. Yeah. Dude, I'm I'm currently on my way to being deported, so okay. Might as well, well, sneak myself. I have over the I have
2: been there with a German citizen who forgot <laughs> his green card on the other side of the border, and Ooh. that was a fiasco. So. Let's avoid that. Yeah. yeah, secondary in general is just not, is avoidable. <laughs> if, if it's avoidable, avoid it. Avoid it. Um, but yeah, I, I'd love to take you all down. Maybe oh. we just do a podcast at one of the bars down there. And oh, there we yeah. Go. There we go. That's a good field trip.
0: There you go. Well, Nigel, thanks for hosting us. Yeah, Nigel. Thank, thank you, Calvin Wilson. Thank you for being here, Stefan. Thanks for the pores. Thanks for the, all the information. The great yeah, storytelling as well, and I'm sure many people out there have learned Absolutely. something and they'll be hitting you up on the Instagrams. Jeez, oh, mate. So Cheers, mate. So for Keenan Lake Podcast, have a great rest of your week. Okay. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. I think Jeez. we closed that better than we opened. Holy
4: hell, yeah. that was an
2: amazing close. Yeah.